Welcome to The Grange Point, where we hang out and talk about the latest news in science technology and how they relate to your everyday life. This podcast is brought to you by the Young Scientists of Australia. We're a youth organisation aged 15 to 25 whose work is to promote science to the youth of Australia. Getting science right is a difficult process and one that involves a long number of steps. These steps include validation tests, peer review, publication and replication studies. And in our 200th episode, we go and look at the long journey of some science stories as they've evolved over the years, are challenged, changed, sometimes retracted, and the overall understanding of science improved. At its heart, science is driven by a quest for knowledge. But the problem is, to get at that knowledge, it's not necessarily a linear path where there's always a right and wrong answer that you look at the answers in the back of your textbook and mark yourself off as. Unfortunately, we need to have a process, a method for undertaking science, which we do. We call it the scientific method. You come up with a hypothesis, an idea. You then do an experiment to test that idea. You look at the results. You do some analysis. You write it up, and then you publish it. Now, other people then come and review that data through the peer review process, analyze it, try and replicate it themselves, and either challenge or validate that finding. And that overall process has helped us make some tremendous advances in improving our scientific understanding. That's not to say we always get it right, but we gradually get closer and closer to a better and more nuanced and deeper understanding of a particular topic. Now, for the most part, this scientific method works really well because through the process of challenge and validation, an idea is either confirmed or challenged and changed and improved upon so that our understanding becomes deeper, more nuanced and arrives closer to the truth. Now sometimes, when an idea is challenged, and then a paper is retracted for whatever reason, whether that be erroneous data, misplaced assumptions, or even fraudulent impacts on the study itself, the paper can be retracted and taken down. But sometimes, the impact of this paper can still linger as an afterimage or a ghost on the overall scientific community's understanding of a particular issue, or even in the public's mind. Now, one of the other challenges that can happen is that a paper can be accepted for a very long period of time and then not challenged at all because for whatever reason, the replication studies don't go deep enough or they aren't replicated at all, which means that there is no actual validation process for a lot of these ideas and they just get built in to a long part of the scientific research ladder or pipeline and they never get really reviewed thoroughly, which also can be pretty bad they've never been tested. We don't know if they're right or wrong, but they haven't been checked from that perspective. And we've talked a lot on this show about validation and of retractions and improving scientific data. And this week, we're going to look at several stories of how this has been undertaken, including some new work to try and test some big ideas in social sciences space, as well as some of the impacts for some key studies over time, and see how this long, often years-long process can be undertaken and finally reach some conclusions.
Now, social sciences often gets a bad rap in these retraction stories simply because there's a lot of data out there and often the data can be severely influenced by an individual sample, an individual person, or a very small sample size sort of throwing it out. Plus, factoring in the psychology or the choices or the biases of the person doing the study, it can introduce all kinds of errors, which means that having a very, very carefully controlled trial is very important. But even then, sometimes some things can slip through. And so a lot of the time you'll see the social sciences being sort of picked up as the sort of worst offenders in this category. But it's more likely that they're just the easiest to prove to have issues rather than necessarily being particularly bad for any other reason. A great example of this in action is what we saw in 2015, which we've spoken about on the Grange Point before. And that is the landmark study that was published by researchers from UCLA, which looked at whether or not people's personal contact sharing of a story can lead to an increase in support for that particular cause. This particular study was undertaken by Michael LeCour, a graduate student at UCLA, with supervision from Donald Green from Columbia University. And the the problems started to emerge after that story became really, really widespread and famous and picked up by all kinds of media. And when people tried to replicate that, they found that they couldn't even get close to the same levels of data and results found. And the whole thing drew out over a long, very protracted period of time that it ended up being retracted and fraud charges laid against the graduate student Michael LeCour for effectively making up a lot of data and notes that just didn't exist. This goes to show you how this concepts can sort of unravel when you factor in someone just making stuff up, and it often can be very hard to disprove that. And this is only really possible because the particular issue was such a great uh, political and socially newsworthy item that it gained the attention of things like the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, the Washington Post, big, large journalistic bodies which could lay a lot of pressure on a story to get at the truth in combination with some fantastic scientific legwork by David Brookman and Joshua Kala from University of California, who actually sort of proved scientifically that it was something was amiss. But for every other study that isn't a landmark industry world-changing political news story, not let all of them get that level of scrutiny. Now, to turn this around, a group of researchers from all over the world, including the University of Innsbruck, California Institute of Technology, Stockholm School of Economics, University of California, Berkeley, Harvard University, Queensland University of Technology, and others, have sort of come together to tackle some of these inaccuracies in the field of social sciences. And they call themselves the Social Science Replication Project. And effectively, the goal of the Social Science Replication Project is a multi-university, cross-disciplinary team that's going to come together and investigate papers published in Nature and Science from 2010 to 2015. And they picked up 21 really key experimental studies in social sciences that were published in these very, very high-profile journals. These are pretty much the two gold standard journals. And what they are going to do is basically, with a common framework of testing and analysis, validate the results for these 21 experimental studies. 
And they'll do it in a very thorough and intricate way and publish the paper, the results of these analysis over a period of September 2016 to September 2017. Now, their process that they're using is one called the 90-75-50 method, but it's basically they're trying to amp up the sample size to try and detect a similar effect as what's being done in the original papers. So by having an increased sample size, they should be able to get a better understanding of the effect. And if that shows a result or any difference, then focus it down with an even more detailed study. So it's basically like a two-stage method. And the value is there is to try to get really, really good understandings of whether or not the data is real and the effects are being real, even when you change and increase and improve the sample size. Now, they're looking at a wide number of different social science papers. And these include everything from strange topics like the visibility of wealth leading to greater inequality as opposed to when wealth is invisible, which is a paper published in Nature in 2015, to the somewhat absurd, such as job candidates being evaluated better overall if their CV is looked at on a heavy clipboard rather than a light clipboard, which was published in Science in 2010. So... These things can get into some really interesting different areas of science. What they are aiming at is to really challenge the methods and the results of famous scientific studies that may actually have trickled into the general populist consciousness as well. So hopefully, in by September 2017, we'll have, I guess, a scorecard on some of the big key studies in the social science space over the last five years. And that is a really good approach to help clean up what can otherwise be a field that gets a bit of a bad reputation. So this is some great work being done by the Social Science Replication Project to fact check and analyse and make sense of some of scientific studies. Now, the journey of a scientific paper that was published and then later investigated and potentially challenged or validated can take a bit of time. And the 2012 paper titled Boom Headshot may sound familiar to those of you who remember the late 2010s video game web series called uh, Pure Onage. Um, they basically investigated the concept of does a first-person shooter actually help people to become better marksmen? Well, the paper sort of managed to weave its way into the collected accepted consciousness of the larger community, but has actually been undertaken some validation studies that are challenging the findings somewhat. Now, that research was originally published by Brad Bushman, a professor in communication psychology at Ohio State University, along with his then postdoctoral student, Jody Whitaker, who's now an assistant professor at University of Arizona. And they're having to uh, potentially back down a little bit from their previous stance and, in fact, issue their retraction. In fact, it's been investigated for some time, ever since outside researchers Patrick Markey, a psychology professor at Villanova University, and Malta Elson, a behavioral psychologist postdoc, started to dig in the data. What they started to see was there was a statistically inconsistent skew to the positive confirmation. In fact, when they started to discuss with the actual original authors, they found the data wasn't available and they couldn't really test or validate the original work. 
And in terms of the research, this is not the first time that Bushman, the lead researcher in this case, has been called out. He's published other papers around the effect of violent media on verbal task performance in gifted and general cohort children, as well as one on the subject of Carthus beliefs attract angry people to violent video games. And this is kind of this concept where it gets a little bit tricky and political, because whilst being challenged on the data and trying to validate and prove the results by other researchers, Bushman defends himself by claiming that other people are going after him because they have an opposing viewpoint, i.e. largely that video games don't cause violence, and so therefore are trying to discredit his results, which prove the opposite point. And the fact that there's no clear evidence either way, and that there's potentially inaccuracies in his data, sort of takes as a fundamental philosophical challenge rather than one of just purely research methods. And that's sort of why this whole area can get very murky and tricky to deal with. It gets into a game of he said, she said, and more importantly, uh, basically can get into philosophical fights rather than ones based on actual data. But for this particular study, it is likely to be retracted in the new year, as the original data has been found to have an un unlikely skew in it that suggests that it perhaps has some slight modification to it. Sometimes, when a researcher has a prolific career, they can publish numbers of studies, studies that build on and on and on previous work. And often, these are done using randomized control trials, pretty much almost the gold standard of trials. And one researcher over a 15-year career published 33 randomized control trial tests that, when analyzed by a group of researchers from New Zealand, managed to unravel. The data underlying a lot of these trials was found to contain large, unlikely values that really didn't make any sense. And the deeper as these researchers dug, the more and more problems they managed to find. So what we're talking about here is a series of research in bone analysis. Bones so we're looking at here is the work of Yoshiru Sato, a Japanese bone specialist. And He's looked at the effects of various substances from vitamin D to prescription drugs like Allegronet on the risk of hip fracture. And over time, you know, it's been very, very interesting to look at. Mostly because dozens of Sato's papers previously have been retracted. And thus, it's sort of like a target to go and check. And that's exactly what researchers from Scotland and New Zealand have done. An analysis published in mid-November in the journal Neurology, Mark Bulland of the University of Auckland and his colleagues found that it's a bit more far-reaching than that. It's not just that there's a couple of bad papers here or there. The underlying data has been fiddled with, and not just for a short period of time, but over a 15-year period. And the real way that they found this is that when they analysed the data, the likelihood of the statistical events being seen there are so implausible to have actually have occurred. Basically, a lot of the time, the types of data that he was collecting for the types of people that and trials that he was looking at was way too homogenous, way too 
normal or similar. In fact, there's a 5.2 by 10 to the negative 82 chance of that actually occurring. That, you know, that everything was so smooth and orderly. When you look at data in the real world, everything is full of noise and randomness and variables, sometimes up, sometimes down. But the data from Sato's work was way too flat, too homogenous, too statistically similar to actually be likely to have occurred. When you factor into the fact that the types of studies Sato was doing were having probably positive results with much less mortality over time, especially when he was looking at people with significant health problems and older people, which are higher risk than normal. So something in the data is wrong. Either the data itself has been massaged or the data methods being used aren't very good. Now, there's other research that have done similar things. Yoshitaki Fuji, another Japanese researcher, who holds the record for number of retractions at 183, um, if you apply the same statistical test method developed by Bolland from University of Auckland, the same things are picked up. So this is great. This kind of CSI of data is very useful. It's a good technique to check if the types of results you're seeing are homogenous or too improbable to have occurred in real life, whether or not they're too potentially fudged. And it's a great method being used to help clean up science. This has been the Young Scientists of Australia's podcast, Lagrange Point. Getting science right is a long process and that requires lots of replication studies. But at the end of it, we can find out if video games really do cause more violence or tackle some of the biggest social science news stories over the last five years. Our ending theme was composed by Audio Head to ysa.org.au for more information about the Young Scientists of Australia.